It is my absolute privilege to be here this morning. You are looking so good. Good. Wonderful. No, seriously. I mean, I just walked in this morning. I haven't had the chance to see your fancy lights and, and all these Vision Sunday things. And just to see and how you're serving the city so amazingly. It is an absolute privilege to be here this morning. Uh, as I jumped off the stage, I realized you're jumping on a trapdoor. That is silly. And for a minute, not even a minute, a split second, I thought I was going to end up underneath the stage. But thank you, Jesus. They make things well in Milneton because I really thought I was going through. Um, this moment, as Gabe has said, we do take a moment to look back. And we've looked back at all that God has done. And it's quite phenomenal. And we, I don't know about you, but as a family, we have a practice of pushing ourselves in that place of being grateful to God, thanking Him for His kindness, ongoingly thanking Him for His grace in our story. But then there are moments where the Bible challenges us that without vision, Psalm 29 says, without vision, my people perish. We put this Vision Sunday in the calendar once a year to make sure that as a family, we're on the same story together. That if you're new to the Life Changes story, you can understand what makes us tick. I mean, what gets us excited? And, and to be honest, it's actually not coffee. Coffee gets us excited because our city gets excited because we love our city and we want to reach in for the gospel. The, it, People don't always get the why of church. We assume that um, the reasons are the same. Churches do different things, but they're actually not. And in this year, it's a special one for us. We're ce celebrating 21 years of God's faithfulness and kindness. And 21 years ago, a couple named Wally and Shirley Gerstmeyer, their two girls, got in a bus, drove to Cape Town, and planted a church. A crazy, crazy thing to do. In an area that didn't even really exist, they planted in Tableview in the middle on the ends of the building where the building had been. They, they met in a, a what health and record, fitness club, squash court. I mean, Henry and Jeannie were there. They can, but my understanding is people could look in while they were training, while you were having church. Who's keen for church while people are on the treadmill going, I wonder what they're doing down there. I don't know about you, but that sounds awkward. That sounds like a price to pay. Then libraries and then building a building and stepping into more and we are the recipients of a generation of faith and God's kindness over 21 years kindness and salvations kindness and breakthroughs kindness and provision and uh, we want to make sure that we are grateful for that and as we navigate that story understand that he is throwing us forward into a future that looks like more businesses being planted for his glory to see transformation come to a city it looks like more people being released more people stepping into universities with the kingdom of god deep inside their souls and yes another church being planted and if you said mark was at the game plan a couple of years ago no it wasn't but god's kindness his gracious hand upon our lives and his favor that he pours out. We're saying, thank you, Lord. We want to keep running at mountains. And as we step into, I like you in the front row, Scott. You can stay here. It's very encouraging. You can. But, but God is, we look back, we see his kindness, we see his faithfulness. But we've got this simple mandate. And I believe it as a mandate for my personal life a mandate for my marriage, a mandate for my family, and a mandate for us as a church. And it's simple, and if you're new to the church, maybe you haven't heard it, we're, our vision statement is to reach far, to raise up, and release wide. And I'll explain that a little bit more, but I want to read something to you that I wrote last year, and I believe it as passionately, if not more passionately, even now, if that's okay. I believe in the power of the local church, not called to follow the world, but to lead. Not called to be influenced, but to influence. Not set apart to hide, but set apart to shine for His glory. Not called to be a, city, a church on a block, but a city on a hill. 
not boring in its ventures, but risk-taking in the goodness of their God. Not impotent slaves waiting for their master's return, but empowered sons and daughters taking ground in his power. The church is awesome. She has never been more challenged, but she has never been more full of potential. The vision for and of the local church is never any man's. Then it is of this world and will always lack the power of heaven's army behind it. The vision for and of the local church is the vision of the bridegroom for his bride. The one he lived and died for, the one he will return for. And we wait in ex eager expectation of his return while we have the privilege of partnering with heaven in seeing earth invaded by his glory. I, I love the local church. I love the possibilities, the potential, and the power of doing life together in local church. I believe in it more than ever, and we have this simple mandate, and if we could put it up on the wall and leave it up on the mall of Seamount Primary, we'd do that, but we can't. But our mandate is to reach those who are far from Christ. Jesus challenged his disciples, the men he took on a journey, he said, I will make you fishers of men. And imagine them like, isn't that why you came? Isn't that why you called us, we can follow you, and we'll just follow you? He says, no, follow me, and as you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. There is this mandate to buy into the reach far aspect of the gospel that I believe too much of the church have allowed to lay down. And as the church sometimes has the potential to become centered and self-fulfilling and self-centered organization, God is thrusting us and challenging us that there's a big mission and a mandate, and it's important. It's important we understand it. To reach those who are far from the love of Christ, who need to encourage, and, and he says, I'm not just going to tell you about it, I'm going to pull you into it, I'm going to pull you into it by calling you to follow me, and as you follow me, you're going to go on a journey of reaching people. It's going to be messy, and in the journey, there's going to be some mess, there's going to be some highs, and there's going to be some lows. There's going to be some streets where you're welcomed, and there's some streets where you won't be. There's going to be some challenges along the way. But will you hold on to the mandate that God gives us, says, actually, I need you to go to reach with the love of God. And what it looks like for us, it looks like moments like this where we gather, where we welcome the city and we serve the city. And you set up a school hall and make it look like a purpose-built church to welcome the city well. With even being able to pull off church during load shedding so well. Not, uh, for us, those important. Why? Because I grew up in a home of parents who were hoteliers. They ran a hotel. And I learned to host from people who it was there every year. And I realized the importance of hospitality, which doesn't just mean host your guests. It means welcome the stranger, that who is different to you from a different background, maybe even different. Welcome them well. And in welcoming them well, you represent Christ. It's part of our reaching for the city. It looks like planting a church. Why plant a church? Well, we've got a queen. Now, some guys from here are going to be a part of me. What? No, no, we're planting because God spoke years ago that he's calling us as a, as a church to go on a move the mountains journey of trusting him, of pioneering again. You remember those words? Pioneer again. And we had big things. And Wally and Shirley went on their mission. We planted Milton, which in itself had a, a fear factor to it for leaders. Uh, where are we going to see our mates? And how are we going to do it? No, but God said, I'll be with you. And on the other side of that journey, there'll be beautiful people who need the beautiful grace of God. It's going to look like Vox. And maybe you saw in the, that we have a, a table view on a Friday night, a youth group that meets, that cause chaos. How do I know? Well, I got to the building this morning and ceiling tiles were missing. So I know the youth had fun. And 
that means youth was good. But I'm, I popped in there the other day, the life of God and people engaging Jesus and finding Jesus, finding community, finding family, going to schools, pioneering things, young people getting captivated, saying, actually, I don't want to waste my time on a whole bunch of things that my generation are wasting their time. I want to sow my time into the kingdom of God. That's why we do those things, life kids and serving kids on a Sunday. And we at table, we had someone who would drop their kids off on a Sunday and leave. Don't tell anyone. It's our secret. Don't advertise. That's what we do. But we made a decision. We're okay with it. Why? Because those kids are getting loved in community. That family will see those kids getting loved in community. And ultimately, that's our seed to sow. And so we navigate these things and potential of doing holiday clubs and the Arise Conference, where it's all fancy things on tables and looking all swanky for the ladies and getting gifts in like Wendy Virgo to come and minister. Why? Because there's a massive opportunity to love ladies in our city with the gospel, not just entertain them for a night. And on the other side of all these endeavors, we want to see people reached who are far from Christ, potentially. Not just another religion. No, no, we sometimes make that. No, I'm talking far from Christ in arrogance and pride and all these things that I don't need a savior. I don't need that love. No, every person does. They were made for it. And then we pulled into the story we called to raise up. So we reach, called to reach people. Then we called to raise them up in Christ. So why do things like Bible study, Bible college on a Monday night? Well, we want to raise them up in the word, raise them up in his presence, raise them up in the power of God. We want to see miracles. Some of you got to get excited about that because I want to see miracles. And God's calling us as a people. And the only way we're going to do that is going on journeys of maturing to be more and more like Christ. That we would see the miracles with the authority that he has. So we have vehicles in the life of the church like life groups. Maybe you've heard this crazy phenomenon where people go to strangers' homes. They drink their coffee, use their toilet paper, and leave. It's called a life group. It's awesome. And if I'm telling you, I've never seen more growth happen than in those forums. Never. I'm convinced. And I would love to say that maturity growth because you just listen to a preacher every Sunday, do everything. You know, but you can't. Sunday's there to inspire us, call us, challenge us, and yes, it's super important for the gathering of the saints, but I'm telling you, we are designed and called to do life in smaller groups than rows, and it happens for us in life groups. It happens around our care um, process that we have, and maybe you have heard about it. You don't know what it is. Well, it stands for this. I have to read it because I keep forgetting it. Christ-centered approaches for a radical existence. We want to take people to a radical existence, but it's got to be Jesus. And uh, we've got to keep taking people to Jesus in whatever condition or state they come in. And maybe you don't know, but on a Monday night at our facility, we have 45 to 50 people who are struggling with addiction come to a support group. Then there, in the room next door, there's a support group for about 30 to 35 families of those struggling for, with addiction. And in the kids' facility, there's another support group for kids of those struggling with addiction so that we can love their kids while they get the help they need, while their family gets the support they need. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. Uh, that. That's what I want my life. I want my life to see transformation and change come to the most broken scenarios and situations. I believe in the gospel that much. Life changes, recovery, life groups um, arise and calling people into those stories. And then that's also why we get apostolic gifts in. And when we get gifts like Wally, Wendy and Terry Virgo and Wally and Shirley Gerstmeyer and Rory Dyer, three weeks in a row in March, there's a reason so the reason is because the Bible says in Ephesians 4, we need the apostolic gifts to grow us up, to pull us from being blown around into maturity so that we'd see everything God has for us. 
And that's why we invite gifts and not to entertain people on a Sunday, bring in a big hit speaker so we can advertise Sunday. No, that's why we don't just go after guest speakers. There are very fancy gifted guest speakers out there. We go after people who we respect as apostolic gifts to invest in us, challenge us, and call us to more. And we would partner with those gifts. And that's why we fast and pray. Because part of my being raised up is my decision to get up. My decision to step up into more. And praying and fasting, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not one of the guys that winds down towards a fast. I go bigger. I've just never been dismal. I've had so much coffee in the last two days. My heart's like, you're supposed to be winding down. I'm just not built that way. I'm like, I'm going in cold turkey. But that doesn't mean tomorrow I don't wake up and have expectation. Now, it was quite funny. The one guy walked up to me this morning saying, we didn't start last night. I'm like, no, tomorrow. But in the next three weeks, as we pursue God, and we are calling the church to a Daniel fast, veggies and water, uh, you will not die, gentlemen, chicken is not a vegetable, just all those helpful hints. But we're calling Jesus to a journey that a man named Daniel did that saw a nation turn to faith, a, a king praise the king of kings. A, a foreign king who worshipped an idol-worshipping God sang a song of praise to the almighty God because a man in exile kept worshipping and praying three times a day day for 67 years in exile he pursued God and he had the favor of God upon his life I want the favor of God upon my life I believe that the love of God is always and entirely always on every believer's everything I can do or do ever affects the love of God but I can increase the favor upon my life as I pursue him as I take a hold of him as I obey in obedience the more of God and I want to see the increased measures of God's favor upon my life I believe in it and trust it. And part of it is the mandate of God that says, all authority is given now. Go, reach far, baptize, raise people up in Christ. That's the mission. It's not complicated. We get complicated sometimes. It's not complicated. For us, it looks like many things. It's church partnerships across the city where we invest into relationships and partner with a movement called ARC who are planting churches around the nation and the world. We are partnering both financially with time and energy to see kingdom of God advance through church planning because it's not about the brand life changes. The brand life changes you're not going to see in heaven. I know. It's terrible. It's such a nice brand. Look at all the tens and the ones. And the, you're not going to see that in heaven. You'll see people, faces who've been reached, who've been raised up and pulled into something called the kingdom of God. That's why we partner with initiatives like Recycle Swap Shop and Faith Village. And maybe you're saying, I, um, I don't know how to partner. I don't even get Ask your leaders. Let's get you involved. There are opportunities to give financially, to give time, to give energy, to give skills. We need to see these endeavors reach the furthest ends of our city to see the love of God reached. What do you think? Sound good? I want to be a part of that. Lastly, as we navigate the year, there is this reality that every year we, our vision doesn't change. That's what we, our vision is reach far, raise up, release wide. So... If you wanted to come to church say for a new vision, I haven't got one for you. I just got the same one. It's called the gospel. Reach far, raise up, release wide. But God does speak to us and challenge us and call us in seasons. And this is our 21st year. And I honestly believe as we navigate this year, God has navigated us so faithfully through different seasons. In 2016, he challenged us, pioneer again. Maybe some guys will remember that. And maybe some of you are here today in this community, in community and in family, because people are prepared to obey God, trust Him, and go on a pioneering again journey and plant a church again. 
some of them, Henry and Jeannie, and the many others who are part of this, the Pringles in the front row here. Uh, and I remember the conversation, well, I do school at Milnerton five days a week, all day, so I don't really want to be there again on a Sunday. Remember that conversation? Well, that changed, eh? And, um, <laughs> and, and why? Because we believe that God, through His local church, does spectacular things. And He'll continue to when we trust Him in faith. And then we said, behold and be bold. And give Him your undivided attention. He'll pull you into these stories of boldness. Then God spoke to us in 2018. He says, I want you to be a people who will trust God to move mountains. And, uh, and it's healing and it's wholeness. And it's a whole number of things. And last year God said, I'm pulling you into the deep. That in the deepest waters... There's the greatest catch. And these are just themes that God gives us as we navigate. It allows us to be on the same page together. Yes, reach far, raise up, release wide. And somehow we seem to play sometimes different roles in that. But we're on the same journey together. And in this year, I believe God, as I've navigated with the leaders, God is calling us to understand this truth of the King of Kings presented in John 10.10. That's why you see the 10.10. If some of you have been working it out and you can't, your eyes aren't good enough to see it on that one. Well, we're praying for healing for us, no. But in 2020, we're going back to 10.10. John 10 is this presentation of Jesus as the good shepherd, a faithful shepherd. Say this, I am a sheep. It's a hard thing to get a hold of sometimes. Because if you know sheep, they're not super attractive, sorry. They're not super bright. They just follow. One will fall off, the next will just... And so God says, I'm going to come not as some leader. Called, I'm going to come as a good shepherd. But I need you to see me and understand me in everything that I'm presenting. And then he presents in verse 9. He says, I am the door. It's only him. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. The promise of the gospel. But then he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You might, yep. It's 21st year. I want to declare over my life, over your life, and over us as a people, a year of abundance. And you know the story of the Nolans and what God has done with that provision. Maybe you don't. You did share it here. I don't know about you, but I believe that's what God does. I'm not going, thank you, God, for the one and only time you're ever going to do that for your people. I'm going, God, open up the heavens over your people, that I can trust you with my kids and their future and their provision. I, I want to pray, and, and maybe we'll speak this year, that actually I want to take marriages that have sat in average or average or however you make it sound, average for 20 years. Why not an abundant marriage? Why not understanding abundant provision? Why not abundant friendships and relationships? Why not an abundant knowledge of the King of Kings and His presence? So three simple points from this simple scripture that help us navigate and we'll be speaking into for the next few weeks. Number one, the enemy is a thief. It says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. To live denying that there is an enemy to your soul or your journey with Christ is to live with your head in the sand. The minute you put your hand up to say, Jesus, I need you as king and savior. I want you to be my Lord and savior. You are also putting a sign up to the enemy saying, I'm his. I'm in his kingdom and you are my enemy. It comes with the territory. Sorry, some of your eyes may be like, wow, what? Gabe never told us that. I'm bringing correction right now. <laughs> but you have an enemy and I have an enemy. 
And the enemy's agenda is to rob, steal, and destroy. No? Just checking. Just checking. Just checking. But how do you deal with a thief? I can see it. Someone, someone puts a WhatsApp thing on your road group. Uh, someone tried to break in. And next minute, there's a burglar guard guy in the street. It's like they know what's on your WhatsApp group. They're like just advertising. I'll put burglar guards. But when it comes to the enemy, the only way to secure your life is to secure your soul in Christ. Why are we doing a 21-day fast at the beginning of a pursuit of abundance? Because I need to secure my soul in Christ because I have an enemy. My soul has an enemy and so does yours. And when I spend time in his word, when I spend time in his presence, and I spend time in prayer pursuing him, I am securing my soul and there's no way in for that enemy. There's no space, there's no opportunity, and it's the safest place I could ever be. You're feeling unsafe right now in your finances, your marriage, economics, politics. Why don't I tell you, the safest place you can be is in God, pursuing Him. The safest place David could ever be as a 16-year-old boy was fighting a giant called Goliath. The safest place Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego could ever be was in a fiery pit. Why? Because God was with them. The safest place Daniel could ever be was in a pit with hungry lions. Why? Because God was with them. And the safest place Jesus could ever be was on a cross, dying for your and my sins because the Father was with them. So the safest place I can be is in Jesus. That's what the gospel tells me. And when I get that and I start pursuing it to pursue him and to fast and pray and trust him, it becomes easy because the why is really clear. Point number two, and again, not very clever points, we get life. I have come that they may have life. The gospel says that we are born sinful. Again, if Gade hasn't told you that, please tell me and I'll bring Christ. That's what the gospel says. And because of that truth, I require a savior who lived the perfect life who could pull me into something of the life of the Father above because I don't have a way to get there myself. And the gospel says the only way is through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus. It's the best news ever. When I deserved death, I got life. I mean, that's awesome. But life is not just for eternity. Life is for now. There is the life of God in the presence of God in pursuing him that is available to believers now. And too many believers believe, well, I've just got my fire insurance from hell one day. That's in my back pocket. The rest, I just need to navigate until I get there. That's a lie. It's too small a picture. Jesus said, Cam, I give you life. Life. Now. Life. In me. In my presence. Life. To trust me for miracles. Life. Why deal with your sinful ways and repent now? Well, because of life. Why leave trailers of unforgiveness? Just leave them behind. Why? Because life is available now. If life wasn't available, tow them around because they keep you company. But if it's available, leave them behind. Why well, get stuck into the mission of God? Because life is our pursuit found in Christ. Because our sentence should be death. We got life. But where I want to take us today is that if Christ had just stopped there, I would have to stop here. Say, well, it's going to be better than average. But Jesus said, I've come. That you might have life, comma, and have life to the full have life in abundance. He could have stopped there, but he carries on. He says, and, and 
abundance means superabundance in quantity and superior in quality and by implication excessive. And often when people engage the gospel and this aspect of God's character and nature, they struggle because of the excessive nature of his grace. How could it be that good? See, I sat in a car with a man yesterday who tried to throw it all away on Friday night. And if I don't believe in the excessive grace of God, in that car, all I'm telling him is, you deserve everything you get. But because I believe in the excessive grace of God and the abundant life available to Jesus, I say, get back before your father. Get back, change your thinking and pull back into him because nothing is impossible for him. I don't know about you, but that's what brings me life. And Jesus challenges us. He says, actually, I want to pull you into the story. Not just enough grace for your brokenness. Not, not just, just enough love for your insecurities. Just enough joy to keep you out of depression. Like you're just above a level of depression. No, that's such a small thinking of who God is. I want the scripture in the next weeks as we unpack it to pull us into a better understanding and take us on a journey of repentance. Meaning changing our thinking about who he is. And when our thinking changes, I start to see clearly. And I start to live. I start to live in the abundance that God has for us. David understood this. He understood it. And he, he, he speaks in, in Psalm 18. And I don't have time to speak the whole psalm. He said, he brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I think he could have written there. He brought me out into a safe place. He brought me out into a place where I'm not going to die. No, David said, no, you just leave me there. God brought me out into a spacious place. He wants spaciousness for your marriage. Oh, we're not going to get divorced anymore. Thanks, God. Too low a level to settle at. God's got abundant life. And I believe as we speak, God wants to challenge fears that limit and hold. And we start living from an understanding of heaven and God into an understanding of how he wants us to live. Because too often we live, well, I'm on earth. What can happen down here? And God says, no, in Ephesians, you are seated in heavenly realms. I'm pulling in a couple challenges from this truth of abundant life. This is not some provocation to more, come on, church. This is a theological presentation of what Jesus says about himself. Don't go, oh, the, the prosperity guys have used this one, so I'm not going to use it. What a waste. Jesus says, life, life abundant in me, the shepherd you call to follow. It's going to challenge a few things, and abundant life will challenge. And I want to say, don't stop. The gospel and abundant life promise says, don't stop. Well, I'm older in life. I haven't seen. I'm just going to stop and do my time. No, don't stop. I, my marriage is, is a dead end. I'm just going to stop. It's not quite over yet, but I'm just going to stop. No, don't stop. Keep fighting. Pe keep pursuing. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And the promise in him is there's abundance in him. It says, well, don't surrender. And too many Christians, I'm just going to put up the white flag. If I put up the white flag, the enemy won't shoot. He won't take out my marriage. I'll just, I'll just surrender. I won't really pursue God too hard. I won't really sing that much at church. I won't really lift my hands beyond three quarters because that way the enemy sees it's just a surrender. And I'm telling you, it's a lie. There's no respecting of your surrendering. The promise of abundant life in Jesus says there's no surrender. There's just pursuit of God. Well, what about, uh, you know, but, but, and even the grace of God. Well, the grace of God is the one thing that should show you the cross, is the very thing that should reveal to you the abundance of the gospel. 
that while we were still sinners, Romans tells us, Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, stuck in our sin, he died for you and I. I deserved nothing. I was doing everything against him and his kingdom. What did he choose to do? He chose to die. That's the gospel. Don't surrender. Lastly, don't settle. Then he comes to Jesus as a low point after fasting for 40 days and offers him temptations and testings. He says, you can have all of this. You know what he comes to us all the time? He's going to say, you can have all of this. Just worship me. What does Jesus go? Why would I settle for what you can offer? My father in heaven made all of this. My father in heaven owns all of this. My father in heaven owns all of this. Why would I settle for this? And too often we settle. We settle in our marriages. We settle in the God pursuits in our lives that I can never get closer to God. This will be as close. We settle in, in the ambitions that he has. And I'm not talking about selfish ambition. I'm talking ambition for God to get his glory through your life. Don't settle. And the only way you navigate beyond and through all of this is by getting a revelation of who Jesus is. And Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundant. Repentance is changing your thinking. So we're fasting for three weeks. I don't know if you heard. Maybe you didn't want to hear. But prepare yourself. Says me who had coffee. Um, but prepare yourself spiritually to pursue God. Prepare yourself in practical ways. Get lots of water if you're not a water drinker. Get, get, navigate these things. Why? Because on the other side of all these things, there's a pursuit of abundant life. And here's what I would challenge you. Don't just pray for what you think abundant looks like. Too often we go to God and say, God, if you could just give me that increase. My mate Bunty, who you know, he's the worship leader. He, he prayed, God, if you could just give me this. And God said, actually, you can't get that. And he got a, in, in December, got a call back from the MD of an amazing company. He said, you can't have that job. You're too qualified. But we want you. They created a role at a higher salary with all sorts of bonuses and perks and a whole new division. Created a role for the Son of God. Why? Because that's called favor. It's called abundance. It's called we think too small. Just worship God. Pursue Him. And on the other side of that journey, you will be astounded. But it is Vision Sunday, and I want to leave you with one image. And if you forget, raise up, release. What's it? Reach far, raise up, release wide. If you forget abundant life, I want you to remember one thing. Maybe you could put up a photo, please. And um, this lady's name is Suzanne Bucker. And on Thursday, I did her funeral. And in the front row was her husband named Hank, who's 42 years old, who's been married to 15 years to the girl he fell in love with at high school. But in July, in March last year, they found out that she had terminal cancer of the brain. In July, they went on a journey and said, we need to encounter this God we've heard about and came to a church called Life Changes. In September, they jumped in and did linked and became partners in the life of this church. In October, we did a baptism. And she wasn't well enough to get in the pool and infection levels, and so we threw water all over her and we covered the whole front of the church with water. And then, and then she got sick, more sick, and three times she recovered from basically no hope. 
to doing a funeral on Thursday. And I sat with Hank on Wednesday at my house and we cried. And we've cried a lot in the last week. But he spoke about how he knew what he could have in Jesus. He just didn't know what he could have in his community. How he didn't know he could be loved. How he didn't know people would pray and he was getting messages from all over and people praying for all over. And people came to the funeral who they'd never met because people had been praying. How they'd been loved in community. And how sure there is pain and mourning right now, but there will be a joy ahead. And there will be a day that we will celebrate. Because right now, she's in the presence of her king. There is no cancer. There is no pain. She is perfect in his love. But right now, her husband navigates mourning and pain, and he gets to do it in community. See, they move cities. They didn't have friends here. And they have been loved and cared for and brought meals. Maybe say, Mark, why do you do what you do whether I was still in the marketing field or preaching the gospel every week? This is why I do what I do. Because this is who he loves. And um, our hearts will be broken many, many times. If you're up for this journey, I'm just going to tell you, it comes with the territory. And we'll also celebrate weddings and God's gracious hand and kindness. And we'll celebrate a hundred babies being born. But we have to keep him at the center and his mission and his mandate to reach people, sometimes in the lowest parts of their life, to raise them up, sometimes in baptism, sometimes in love, and sometimes just telling them how much Jesus loves them. And to release them, sometimes into his presence for eternity. And sometimes it looks like walking with a husband who navigating the toughest time of his life, but he gets to do it in family. Why do we do what we do? Because of the grace, the goodness of the living God. Can we close our eyes, please, as I hand over to Scott and I make my way back to Tableview. I, I don't put that photo up to shock you. I'll be the first to tell you I was devastated we didn't see a miracle. But I know Jesus. And I know right now that because of his perfection and his grace and his blood, that amazing lady is no longer in pain. She is no longer riddled with cancer and she is free. And I know there's a husband named Hank who will be loved by Jesus and his family into fullness and freedom because for Hank, there's still abundance life. And for Susan, there is abundant life in Christ. God, change our thinking. Silence fears smallness at this time.